Welcome to the Better Together Life podcast. This is the podcast for the suburban family who wants to quit the rat race and return to the land. All righty, y'all. We are back. Well, no. No, we're not back. Sorry. It's just me. So it has been a couple of weeks since our last episode dropped, and I needed to make sure that we did not go any further before we did not publish a episode. Since our last episode, our family with our four kids have gone from ear infections to sinus infections straight to chicken processing and hosting several friends that we scheduled months ago. So we just got caught behind, and I'm very sorry, and I'm going to give you a little bit of value here. We're going to republish the audio track from one of our videos. So if you are not following us at Better Together Life on YouTube, then you have not heard this yet. This video is everything you need to know before you buy raw land for your property. So if you've seen it, then good, and it might just be worth it to listen it again if you are in the market for buying raw land. Now, just giving you a heads up, we are going to be having a babysitter all week. So next week, we are going to be able to batch several mini videos. Hopefully, we'll be able to get at least five or six videos recorded so that we do not have to fall behind again. But we're going to be getting a lot, a lot of work done next week. So excited to be able to get back in the studio with Kelly and I and be able to talk about everything. Like, guys, we just now bought our tractor. We we processed the chickens. So many things happening here on the homestead. And I am having to record this outside with all the birds and the bees and the sun because I am also single-dadding it with me and Finn. So I needed to step outside so that I could get clean audio without her interrupting. Guys, it is just life here on the homestead. We'll see you on the next one. Enjoy the five things you need to know before you buy raw land. Hey, y'all, it's Bo, Brother Tim with Better Together Life and the Shed Two House Facebook group. We are a suburban family down here in Texas that was able to quit the rat race and return to the land. And one of those things that we did was we bought raw land in 2015, then we converted a shed into our full-time house. And through that process, we were able to learn a lot of things that we did right and a lot of things that we did wrong. And when you're buying raw land, there's several things that are a must have. So don't buy raw land without these five things. Number one, the correct climate. Okay, so I don't wanna go over all of the different types of climates in the world because there are literally people that are in extreme northern climates that have figured out how to grow citrus. But I just wanna be able to focus on mainly the US, but also in terms of if you live up in Minnesota, you know your climate, you know what you can and kind of can't grow up there. And so I just wanna be able to focus on the correct climate for what you want to do. Because I grew up down in South Houston and we could grow avocados there. 
But then I moved three hours north of South Houston. Growing avocados up there is not something that I'm going to do, but yet I can still grow a little bit of citrus here in Central Texas. What your climate is falls in what is called the scale of permanence. The scale of permanence at the highest end are things like climate, like you're not gonna change your climate. You have no control over that. You're not gonna change if there's a mountain facing the east side of you to where you get all of that the shade and all of that good morning sun. Down low on the scale of permanence is like your soil. You can improve your soil. You can import soil. You can do a lot of things with soil to be able to make it better. If it's raw land, of course, you can build a house there. But if you're not buying raw land and there is already a house there and it's not oriented right for permaculture, for the sun orientation, all of that, then you're probably not going to change that. And it's also very unlikely that you're going to change any government regulations. Probably not going to happen. Number two is slope. Now, I want to be very specific about slope because just like climate, it all depends on other things. Like, of course, up north where when in the winter you have very short days, you might want more of a western slope. But typically you're kind of wanting it to slope to the south. You want to avoid any kind of northern slopes. In central Texas, it's known as like the hill country. On the side of a hill, you definitely do not want to be facing west because that summer sun is just going to bake that western hillside and nothing is going to grow over there. So you don't have to have a slope, it can just be flat land, but if it is a slope, really pay attention to where the sun is going so that you make sure that that slope is correct to your climate. Here, it's a really easy one, is we're kind of at this top of the hill, we are at the top of the watershed, and so we have our forest right over here, and that is at the top, and it slopes a little bit, maybe like an acre to the north, but the majority of our property of our seven acres slopes to the south. So that allows us to put swales here to where we can grow a lot of food. And then it gently slopes to where we can move water, not too drastically, but move water from swale to swale and then eventually end up filling in a pond down at the bottom of our property. Okay, so we're moving on to number three, which is water. Yes, yes, I know that many of you are sitting there screaming at your phone. Bo, why is water not number one? Water is life. Water needs to be up at the top. It's the most important thing. You can't grow anything. You can't keep anything alive without water. I'm not at all disagreeing with you. Water is life. Water is arguably the most important but you do have options for water. So the first thing would be the most sought after kind of water is natural water on a property, like a stream, like a river, a larger lake access or something like that. That would be so great to be able to have or a, an established pond at a higher elevation so that you can move water through a pump like with gravity fed all the way down to a, an orchard lower in the elevation. That would be best. But very few have that. And so you really need to be able to find other options. The first one would be having a well, 
dug on your property. Which we were not able to get a well. We do have a shallow aquifer, but it smells like rotten eggs. It's very sulfury and no driller would touch it. So we'd have to go 900 feet down. And the average quotes, I got three and it was all $22,000. Bruce Willis had to go 800 feet in Armageddon to blow up a meteor. I will make 800 feet. I swear to God I will. But I have to go 900 feet just to get water. So of course we did not do that. And in all of our area, we have a co-op municipal water. So we just paid $4,000 and it was already there. But that's how I felt confident of purchasing this property is because I knew that we would have that municipal water there available. Drilling a well is great, but without having a guarantee that you will hit water, it did raise the possibility, every driller told me, there's a possibility that you're gonna have a $22,000 dry hole. Nope. If you've seen any of our previous videos, you know that rainwater harvesting is my favorite. Here, you'll see that we have two 2,500 gallon tanks, total of 5,000 gallons, and then we also have two 265 gallon slimline tanks. We use all of our rainwater harvesting for our animals and for our garden. And although that we're not using our rainwater for our main house right now, we do have the option to plumb that in because we do have a pump now that if we wanted to be able to use that for our main house, we can upgrade that in the future. If we did not have municipal water and we could not get a water well, I think we might probably want to double this system or at least get another 2,500 gallon tank. So anywhere between 7,500 to 10,000 gallons, I would feel more comfortable having all of our household water come from rainwater. Okay, so what does rainwater have to do then if you can just add it anywhere because it is an off-grid system? What does it have to do with buying property? Well, you would need to make sure that you have adequate amount of rainwater in your climate. Or if it just comes in a monsoon, like you get all of your rain for that year in two or three days, then you just wanna make sure that you have a big enough roof catchment to catch as much of that rain as you can. Okay, let's move on to number four, which is access. Now, I'm not saying to not buy a property that doesn't have something like a driveway. I'm, I'm not saying that because putting in some sort of driveway access is a fairly easy thing. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about whenever I talk about access is something that don't buy a piece of property that is what is known as landlocked. If you have someone else's property that's up here and it's just like this whole circle and you are like right here in the center, if you, if you can't access that, then this property is worthless. And another way in terms of access is you might be able to access the property, but utility companies cannot. I would say always look at the fact that you might need an exit strategy. And so being able to have utility access onto that property, that is a plus. Okay, the last thing you wanna make sure that a piece of raw land has before you buy it is an ag exemption. Yes, as I stand here in front of my janky poultry netting that I need to fix because the kids ran into it yesterday, but that is probably the biggest mistake besides buying property 
that doesn't have a well that we made is the fact that we bought property that did not have a current ag exemption on it. And I will say, and I would just want to encourage you that just because a piece of property doesn't have ag on it right now, a lot of the counties will allow you to what's called build up a history to where you start using ag. And for us, you have to do it for five straight years. And then on that sixth year, you can reapply and get the ag exemption. For us, that's probably gonna save us anywhere between $1,000 to up to $1,500 a year on our annual property taxes. Okay, so as I was sitting here working on the video, I thought of a couple of bonuses that y'all might wanna know. And then these are gonna be really fast. The first one is don't buy a piece of property that is not fairly close to a hospital. And if you have kids, you understand exactly what I'm saying. And for every kid that you have, you might wanna be slightly closer to that hospital. And then the second bonus, this one probably should have made it to the top five, it just didn't, is to make sure that the piece of property that you're looking at, it's zoned for what you wanna do on that property. Because how horrible would that be is if you build this whole life where you're wanting to raise a certain animal and then the government, the HOA, the restrictions that you have, the city is not going to allow you to raise that animal. That is a big no-brainer, like don't do that. Okay, so there is the top five things to make sure that every piece of raw land that you're looking at, that you're thinking of buying is going to have. I'm sure I missed some things, so please put it down in the comments down below. What did I miss? What are some of the things that you bought whenever you bought your property or whenever you're currently looking at property to buy that was an epiphany that you did not think of that you need? I wanna know, put it in the comment down below. Give us a thumbs up if you like this video. If you don't, give us a thumbs down and then let me know why you didn't like it. Okay, we'll see y'all in the next one. Bye y'all. So you can find us at Better Together Life on Instagram or I'm Kelly at Better Together Wife on Instagram. You can also email us at bettertogetherlife at gmail.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.